Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. South African singer, artist, and performer Warren Vernon Driscoll was born in East London. He attended the Drakensberg Boys Choir in KwaZulu-Natal from grades 4 to 9 and Kernsney College from grades 10 to 12. He studied classical singing at UCT, specializing in Baroque music, and he now performs in the secular world of pop and rock. Warren is also the frontman for the band Mobbing Bali. Warren channels Freddie Mercury and performs in the international hit show The Queen, It's a Kind of Magic Tribute. Immerse yourself in the spectacle, grandeur, and energy of the world's greatest rock band. Big sound, big screens, crazy lighting, and outlandish costumes it's a real rock experience. Queen, It's a Kind of Magic is thrilled to be bringing sparkling new costuming and some previously never performed Queen tracks to the stage on tour, allowing diehard fans to rock the night away. Relive all your favorite tracks and hits from Queen whilst being treated to some of the rarer tracks reimagined with care and performed live on stage. On this episode of Celebsvant, I'll be speaking to Warren Vernon Driscoll about the show Queen, It's a Kind of Magic. Up next on Celebsvant, we've got Warren Vernon Driscoll. How are you doing and where do we find you in the world? I'm doing well for a starter, I think. Thanks for asking. And um, yeah, you can find me pretty much all over uh, at the moment with the, with the Queen show. Uh, we've, been, we've been doing a lot of travel with that. But I'm based in Cape Town. That's where home is. Let's rewind before we get into the Queen show. At what age did you decide, cool, I want to be in the entertainment or performance career and industry? And how did that journey progress to where we are today? I actually developed a, an interest in music quite young. I'd say probably about maybe three or four years old. Um, my parents started realizing that I liked the sound of my own voice. <laughs> and then... Um, I ended up uh, at the Drakensberg Boys Choir from about grade five. I think it's from that uh, that scenario that I really started seeing the opportunity of a career in music. So I've never wanted to be anything else other than uh, a musician my whole life. I, I skipped the whole fireman, truck driver <laughs> phase. Yes. It was just all, I just want to be a musician. And yeah, you know, th- throughout, so about from about... 12 or 13, I started actually uh, studying music and like from cl- classical music theory and specializing in classical singing at that time. As, I, as life has uh, gotten older, I guess, rock started playing an influence in my life around 16. So in my life, I wanted to be a classical singer. And then I started tasting rock and roll um, uh-huh. in my teenage years. Yeah. And then I think from that, I'd started a band in high school. And in that band, the drummer uh, in, the, in the Queen show now, Michael Dickens, we started our first band together at the Drakensberg Boys Choir um, from, from about grade six. And that's when I, I just decided, I think I'm going to carry on playing pop and rock. For the international listeners who are not aware, what is a Drakensberg, Drakensberg Boys Choir? Okay, so it's a, it's a choir school meaning um, everybody at the school is in the choir. Mm -hmm. So it's about 110 strong, maybe 120. When I started, there were only 86 in the whole school. So it's it's one of a, it's a very niche school. 
that specializes in choral and classical music singing. Well, when I was there, I'm not so much, I don't know what they're yeah. doing right now. Yeah. But that's what the, the ethos of the school was pretty much musical education alongside normal education from a young age. So that when you got to, it only went from grade four to grade nine. So about at about 15, you'd have to move on to another school to finish your, your schooling. Just because if, if you were older than, uh, I think 16, you'd have to be considered a youth choir, not a boys choir anymore. That, that's how the school kind of formed. Uh, yeah. So it was just a specialized school in choral singing and into, um, performance. Yes. Okay. And then what is classical singing? You mentioned before you found rock, you focus on classical singing. So classical singing, I would say is the likes of Pavarotti, okay. uh, Domingo. Yeah. And just all. Old music, really, un- until about, I'd say, maybe when the Beatles started making a, a, okay. a thing. Before drums and stuff were involved, and it was just orchestral instruments. I specialized in um, Baroque music, which is about 1600s to 1750, which gives you your composers like Bach, Monteverdi, Handel, um, those guys. So it's broken up into periods, and yeah. But classical music is the classical discipline of music, um, as opposed to the pop with okay. bands and loose stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it's classical singing always in my mind. This is, this is a, mm-hmm. a, a thought and I might, I'd like you to correct me if I'm not correct. Is classical okay. music <laughs> always operatic or not necessarily? It's not necessarily operatic. Um, I think opera is the most popular form of classical singing yep. at the moment because mm-hmm. everybody knows, ah, opera singing, you know. There's very much uh, a niche in something called oratorio, okay, which is where I wanted to sing, and that's like the the chamber and baroque music. So remember, baroque is pre-opera, so Mozart and stuff was uh, the opera time on. I'd say, yeah, it, it all happened in periods, but it, because opera merges uh, theater or acting and singing, mm. that's why it's uh, the most popular, and that's why it's considered. Yeah, that's why most people just assume it's only oh, opera. Okay, understood, understood. Yeah. Okay, lovely. So you mentioned that then you discovered pop and rock and all of that. So then when you move forward from that space, were you in a band? Were you singing solo work or did you automatically go into theater? So um, funny enough, I don't consider myself a theater performer. I, I consider myself a, a musician first and mm-hmm. foremost because yeah. I don't necessarily act. I use Freddie's mannerisms, um, but I still speak in my own accent and I just sing the music in the right key, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't consider myself actually sing, uh, per se. It's just performance, really, which I, I know doesn't make sense to a lot of people, yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. how it breaks up in my yeah. mind. Yes, I did sing in a band. We, we called ourselves Mobbing Bali at the time, and I think our first name was Postcard when we were in mm-hmm. high school. I was still doing uh, the classical and the and the pop and rock music um, parallel. Mm-hmm. But then there was a point in my life where you had to pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how it kind of folded into the pop. I had more fun with my friends on stage than I did being uh, like disciplined on stage. Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes okay. sense. I preferred it being a free space as opposed to this this is the etiquette of performance. Besides the performance in the Queen show, what else have you been doing? Oh, so before I before I joined um, Showtime Australia with this production, I did many things. I was a waiter, uh, a singing waiter essentially, and I was um, I performed at markets 
with my acoustic guitar and, mm. you know, uh, busked in many uh, scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I did a few band gigs because I thought my band was going to make it. I had the dream, you know, of being in the famous rock band. Uh, so we played many gigs in um, around the Cape Town music scene. Yeah, just any opportunity that came to me with music, I would uh, take up. I actually sang um, with the Cape Consort, which is a Baroque chamber orchestra. Okay. Uh, where we did pieces like the Messiah with Hallelujah, yeah, you know yeah, those yeah, yeah. The yeah. messiahs and stuff. Yeah, I, I did basically anything that was music that was thrown at me. I'd say yes to, and just not knowing where it would go next. So just allowing the opportunities to come through, and from that, just leading the path to where we are. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I did a gig and the part, the door was cl- well, I closed the door on it. Sometimes I just didn't enjoy where it was going or maybe okay. the people I was working with. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> the people. Yeah. Okay, that's so like, now- that's like 70% of the job, the people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now let's unpack the show. Tell us more about it. What it's, what people can expect. Um, what you enjoy about channeling Freddie Mercury through your performance. Let's hear your mm. interpretation of the show. Of course. So um, the show is first and foremost a rock and roll show. It's not It's not a musical. Like there's no storyline. Yes. There's no narrative or timeline. It's just this is a straight up rock and roll gig. And we try and recreate the 1986 Wembley moment. That's how the show started, the 1986 yep. Wembley show. Uh, after that, uh, it's developed into its own thing, kind of. So we've we've added some music to the show that Queen never got to and Freddie never got to sing live necessarily because, you know, it, it came later on in his life. He wasn't stage ready and that. But he, mm. he put out some important pieces like uh, The Show Must Go On, for instance, and, and that whole Innuendo album. We've just added a few um unique songs that weren't uh performed live ever so in that way the show's evolved into something quite special and unique but that's just about the music side the stage performance side i'd say is we we've got all the outlandish costumes so i dress up full in character that's why Mm. i grow this mustache (laughs) and then yeah we we've got all the grand lights a big massive led wall to enhance the show i wear Pretty much, I, I wear the same boots that Freddie wore, the f- same Adidas boxing boots, because we managed to find them. We had to source oh, wow. what he was wearing and try and find them. So we, that was, that's pretty cool. The, the attention to detail is really good because Rusty Red, who plays Brian May, plays a, a red special, which is Brian May's homemade guitar. He plays a replica of that. So we've, we've really taken the look as close as possible to the real thing that we can get without being there. Okay. Uh, which is quite a, an awesome experience. And how long? I know this show is got a couple few dates in South Africa in December, but how long has the show yes. been running for? Uh, and how long so, will it be moving forward? Yeah, you know, the beautiful thing about this one is that we we don't have uh, a, a time frame really. We're just cr- trying to build something and see how how long it goes. But having said that, you know, I'm not the first Freddy that this show had. The show existed before me, but we are the new cast. And this new cast has been like, we all South African, which is a first. And we all the same age group, which is also a first. So we all within a year of each other. I think Michael and I, the drummer, are, are days apart. We've been doing this together as this group for about four years. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah. 
So, and we've, we've traveled quite a bit with it. It's just that we finally getting the opportunity to break into South Africa because COVID really ruined a lot of those opportunities. We had to base ourselves in Australia and New Zealand during that time because that was the only place that was really still doing shows. Without okay. that, we would have had to tank everything. So during COVID, were you in Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, I was stuck in there for about a year and eight months. Because the, the thing is, you know, we never knew what was happening. We never knew when the borders would open and travel yeah. would be easier. But South Africa, being from South Africa, was already a problem. Remember at that time where we found that variant and the world <laughs> was like, oh, don't go there. Yeah. Uh, they Don't yeah. let them in. <laughs> so we couldn't travel. And if I had come home, I would not be able to go back and carry on working. So we just had to live there, yep. all four of us. Previously to you getting this part, channeling and performing of Freddie, were you a massive fan of his? I've always loved Queen from as long as I can remember, to be honest. Uh, my uncle sang Bohemian Rhapsody to me when I was like probably around four or five. Okay. And I, was, I remember distinctly like sitting there and listening to him just sing that, that beginning part. It stuck in my mind. I didn't know at the time who it was because I was so young. I didn't yep. really care. And then I think it only came back. My dad used to listen to Made in Heaven, the album, which was also a great album by Queen, um, also made after Freddie died. Yeah, it was in my house the whole time subconsciously, and I didn't know necessarily that it was Queen, yes. but I remember appreciating the music. At about 16 or 17, when I said the rock and roll bug bit, that's when I started really appreciating the, the, the band Queen. Because what I found, actually, what, what started steering me towards the pop thing was that I found Queen equally as challenging to sing as mm. a Bach aria. It yeah. just had a different audience and a different vibe on stage. Yeah. So that's what started swaying me in many mm. ways. If someone had to go and experience the show, what would you describe it as? You've already given us some of the details. So just give us four or five words mm. to say, you're going to be experiencing what? Oh, that's a that's a good one. I'd just say you're going to experience um, a rock and roll experience, a classic rock and roll experience. Okay, and you're going to walk out singing, dancing, and just being on a high, a natural high. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah, natural. Well, I mean, I can't afford the other stuff anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> Podcast is listened to throughout the world. So, as a final message, what would you like to say? I'm a type one diabetic, and I I do this as a type one, which is quite a unique thing. But I like to say to people. Whatever you think you can do, just go ahead and do it. You ne you never know what the what the yeah the outlook is going to be or or the result is. But if you don't try, you'll never know. Anyone can do whatever they want to. <laughs> That's it.